0: You're in the right place for stories of self-discovery, gratitude, and connection. And to help you strengthen that connection to your own inner guidance, you'll find each episode has an accompanying meditation. Now let's get into it. Today's guest has been on my list of people to invite to the show for a long time. Lisa David Olson's humor has kept me laughing on social media for a couple of years, She's one of the reasons I'm still on Facebook at all. And as you'll hear, she's indirectly responsible for introducing me to two of this show's past guests. In fact, humor is the tool Lisa has used to get through her fine and less than fine life situations. I was eager to talk with her about this because it's not a tool anyone else has mentioned before. We're discussing humor as a deflector, a connector, and an escape. And we're chatting about beliefs around working hard, pretending everything in your life is normal, and reaching out to people when you think of them, just because. Lisa David Olson is a keynote speaker, podcaster, business humorist, speaker trainer, and embarrassing mom. She had two TEDx talks released last year, proving the pandemic did have its happy moments. Whether in-person or online, she delivers high-energy presentations that challenge attendees to think creatively and choose the lighter side of life. Learn about Lisa's Project in Bravery, her comedy album, book, and journal at lisadavidolson.com. If you enjoy this show, please tell three other people about it. The more listeners, the more publicity. And that means these stories get in front of more people who can benefit from hearing them. So they can know they're not alone and there's nothing wrong with them. It's about building connection and community. We need that now more than ever. And when you're ready to add a bit more peace and groundedness to your life, I can help. Pop over to the zenrabbit.com webpage and sign up for my VIP list. That way, you'll be the first to get all the tools and tips on finding calm amidst the chaos of life. Hello, and welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My guest today is the infamous, famous, infamous, Lisa David Olson.
1: Dun, ta-da. Welcome. Thanks for having me, lady. I am
0: so honored to have you on my show because, I don't know, we've known each other for a while through social media primarily. And you have been indirectly responsible for a couple of the other guests we've had on Fine is a Four-Letter Word. With um, episode four, I had Eve Malzahn, and Eve was... uh, Her episode was called Prostitutes, Pain, and Power. We were in um, a Facebook group together that you had invited me into that group. That's how I met Eve, so you were somewhat responsible for that. And then... um, Episode
1: 28 Healed Healed Through Gratitude with Jennifer Garman. So some uh, powerful guests on a great podcast. I'm so glad. And I did get to hear the one with Eve and I'm definitely going to check out the one with Jennifer. And I, I love the show and just how open it is. It, you really are spreading the word around and I like that because it's a comfortable place to just really talk. Yeah. Well, and I we're going to talk a little bit about your podcast as
0: well because I'm a huge fan. And uh, yeah, but we'll get to that in a minute. Let's start with the question of what were the values and beliefs that you were raised with
1: that um, influenced you as you grew up? I think my values that I was raised with and the guidance was basically, don't do what we're doing. That's that's the kind of household I grew up in.
0: Do as we say, not
1: as we do? Yeah, they weren't really... They weren't really around. No helicopters in my parents, that's for sure. So, no, it was a different time. And it was, my mother was an alcoholic who was a functioning alcoholic. And as I got older, I understood that she was self-medicating, whatever her mental issues might have been. But as a kid, you don't know that. You just know I can't have friends over because stuff could happen in the night. So she would often grab us out of bed and have us clean, scrub the toilets or dig through the garbage, who threw away the mushrooms, that kind of stuff. And then the next day, yay, McDonald's and presents. Oh, I have a beanie baby. <laughs> you know, here's, oh, here's wow. food. I don't think we had beanie babies back then, but uh, you know, it was it was more like that. So it was definitely the highs and lows. And my dad is is awesome and kind and gentle, but he was somehow he was just never there when that was happening. Whether he was in his den or left the house, it was a very weird time. So basically, I learned what not to do actually, and I just never ever ever treated my own children that way. You know, if if that's my legacy I did okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine so. Um so
1: so self-reliance was something that you learned. That's for certain. I left home at 17. I was out of there. 10th grade, I left school, left home, never went back to either. Well, I I did go back to school, but not that school. I, I never went back. My oldest sister was 19, got pregnant, then married to a man that had three kids. So at 19, she was a mother of four. Wow. No washer and dryer. And then she had a second one right away. So it was um, that my, my next brother, older than me, did a lot of hiding and they both, were morbidly obese and I had eating disorder the other way. And then the youngest of us four was pretty much the baby. And really, he doesn't remember all that stuff. I don't think he was pulled out of bed or anything like that. So we are not close as a family whatsoever. We all just, it was surviving whatever you can uh-huh. do to survive and just make it another day. Wow. Okay. So
0: So you escaped, we'll say escaped, at 17, and where did you go and what happened?
1: I got an apartment. My older brother did end up sharing an apartment with me. We were so, so broke. We would have like $10 for the week. I was working. I would take a bus and go clean hotel rooms, and I didn't drive at that point yet. And I just remember we would make a hot dish and then just keep adding stuff to it through the week. It would end up just being like noodles, some tomato sauce, here's corn, here's peas, whatever, whatever. So I just remember us being extremely broke. And we actually were happy, though. And we knew in the moment that these are the days we're going to look back at and say, yeah, that sucked. But um, we did it. We survived. At least we're happy. And it was a tough time. But I look back at that as feelings. I felt safe. That's pretty dang important. Wow. Yes. It's extremely important, especially given the environment you are coming from. Right. Yes, it meant everything. I knew my brother cared about me and that he was protecting me and I and I could sleep through the night and not worry. I mean, I still have night frights, but I, I can talk myself through it, you know, and kind of get logical about it. And how long were you living in that? Oh, my brother and I, I think we lived together maybe a year. And then I ended up in a another apartment with a girlfriend and then met my first husband to be. And from there have always been married, <laughs> but not to the same guy. I'm on my third. I keep wearing them out. <laughs> 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 well, you know, it's it's hard to keep up with
0: somebody who's as energetic as you are.
1: You got that so right. It's
0: understandable.
1: I wear myself I out. It. Yeah. Yeah, you got
0: that right. <laughs> wow. Okay. So how how did did your adult life progress? Like, I mean, you kind of had to raise yourself so how did it work when you were then an
1: adult? Like, Did you have the tools you needed? Yes. I've always been a worker and I've always gone toward older people. And so I've just never not worked. I've almost always had two jobs. So I, I just, I don't know where that came from, but my sons have that as well, that work means something and that you you work and that's your character and downtime yes but is your work done you know and that that's a, a fault of mine but I've just always worked and just wanted to be a survivor and I think that is just from I can do this I got this you know and yeah just making it work so i at least I have that in me. And I, well, when I think about it right now, my mother always was working. Like I said, she was a functioning alcoholic. Uh, I don't remember her missing work. I, and I don't know how. I don't know how because she had some wild nights. Some, some things so happened. You obviously. Know. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Obviously, you got that value maybe of hard
1: work is important.
0: Right. Yes. Or hard work is essential, at least.
1: Or does it define you? That's not healthy, but that's what it is. That's what it was. I'm yeah, still a hard worker. Wonderful.
0: Yeah, right. for sure. A lot of people define themselves by their ability to work hard. Mm-hmm. Right. Sometimes to their detriment, like there's nothing wrong with working hard. That's a, an admirable trait. And at the same time, so many times we define ourselves by our work and maybe don't allow ourselves to have fun because, well,
1: I just have to work. Yes. A friend of mine just was putting in... Um, some training over in Sweden from, I think he's in Ohio and he's over in Sweden training. And he said, wow, I think I'm getting used to this culture. They, where he was definitely was more into the breaks, the sustenance, the relaxation time and the downtime and self-care. He just said, they don't work, work, work these crazy hours. And he said, they're
0: happier healthier <laughs> yeah that's a very european thing they, they think americans are insane well and sometimes i think americans are insane when i look at them
1: as well there's something although then it.
0: i look at i'm one of them so
1: <laughs> here we are not just
0: one of the americans one of the americans who works hard and doesn't necessarily take the breaks that i know i should exactly yeah yeah so what what do you do when you're not working i paint what do you what do you allow
1: yourself now I'm hooked on yoga and painting and writing, so I'm constantly going, and I podcast, but writing can sometimes net a few bucks, which feels good, or an award. We all like stickers, and painting, I've sold some. I give some as gifts. I usually don't give too many as gifts because I don't want to force my art on anyone, but I just started painting last year because both my boys draw, and I was like, well, maybe I should try something, and it turns out I really like it because... If you screw it up, it's a learning and you can paint over it, man. Do over. That favorite key <laughs> on the keyboard for me is undo, do over. So with, <laughs> with painting, that's what I can do. And I listen to crime podcasts while I paint. And my husband said, you have the most beautiful scenes, these flowers, these trees, the reflection on the water, and you're listening to people being stabbed and all these things. I'm like, well, balance, baby. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly Yin-yang. what kind of
1: painting are you doing is it watercolor is it oiled what are you using it's acrylic um acrylic i, I like to do some flowers you know i'm saying the word some s-o-m-e and a lot of yep. times i'm doing art resin art so i have flowers from my actual oh, cool. garden and then i coat it in resin so that i have this <gasps> perpetual oh, garden wow. and very cool i've done you know, just uh, I also like abstract because it's very hard to do. Because when are you done? I don't know. So <laughs>
0: <it's just> like, <laughs> good point.
1: I'll paint with my hands sometimes, or you might find a dog paw in there. Whatever. We do have a dog. Otherwise, that would be really strange. Yeah. <laughs> Some dog off the street. Exactly. Yeah, I know you, you. Yeah, you have Munch,
0: and he makes a lot of appearances on social yes. media on Facebook. I've seen my yes, pun
1: partner. Yes.
0: Yes. So I was asking about the painting because for my birthday, my friend Tracy and I went to one of those painting paint bars and, and paid $50 to paint a picture. And I liked it so much, but I don't want to have to pay $50 every time I just want to pick up a paintbrush. So I was like, wow, I I've never really done it before. I didn't know I had any interest in doing it. That's and It was fun.
1: Well, and that's, Probably if it was at a bar, you had some liquid courage in you and you let your guard down. You said, why the heck not? I actually didn't have any alcohol that night.
0: Um, Tracy had some hot chocolate. But we did, like, you know, in true entrepreneurial style, they they so they lead you through a specific picture that there's a, somebody painting. Right. And they have, you know, the colors, they already have the color palette paint in front on a plate for right. you. yeah. Yeah, and it was like greens and blues and some purple. And Tracy and I go in there and we're like, can we have some pink? How about some orange? Can I have some orange? My picture is a general semblance of what they were painting, but it
1: is not at all. (laughs) That's awesome. That's what it's all about. Yes, express, express. express. I see your greens yeah. and blues, but I'm feeling pink today. So here's an extra five. Right. Let's find the pink here. <laughs>
0: That's right. We didn't even have to pay them extra. They were like, yeah, we're no, happy I know. To make you happy to make you happy. Uh, yeah. So, so since it is called fine is a four-letter word, tell me your story of being stuck in a place where everything was fine or everything. You said everything was fine, but it really wasn't fine.
1: Oh, sure. That that just goes right back to the childhood issues. Where you had to pretend with your friends that you had a normal household, but you couldn't invite anybody over, you couldn't have overnights, that kind of thing, because you never knew. Mm-hmm. So you could kind of pretend, and and that's where humor comes into play, and you know, distraction. Look over there. Hey, I'm funny. I'm cute. And then. You know, the first marriage, you try and make it work. You got a couple of kids and it wasn't funny. but you're married and you're, you're helping him run a karate studio, so you don't want to mess everything up and, and all those things. But eventually it, it wasn't and we were still living together, but separated and it was just horrible. But we found our way through and we did divorce and we are very, very close, um, very good friends. And he, um, my husband, Todd. Knows and respects my first husband as well. And so, hey, I need help moving the shelf. And okay, come on over. So, when you have an ex, always be friendly. You just never know when you he need heavy stuff moved. And I think right. that's important, but I'm yeah, honestly God. there for him too. He's not great with social media and I'm always rallying for it. like, he's about to do a polar plunge in the Mississippi in the middle of winter to raise money for special what? Olympics. And I'm like, Hey, everybody help chip in. And cause he doesn't like to go look at me, help me. So we're on, on board with that. And at least my boys know that part and how that can work. You know, we can all be together for a dinner. So I did act like it was fine until I just couldn't anymore. And that was hard. It was hard. Yeah, it is hard. And I think, you know, that's also the reason why
0: my program is called Fuck Being Fine. Like, you just reach a point where you're like, I cannot do this
1: one more day.
0: It is. And it's fine until it's not fine. Until
1: it's affecting you physically. And that's when you know that, could I go back to what I was doing? Well, then maybe change is what you need. I mean, I guess it goes back to when I was 17 and I took off. It was a bottom bottom line, but you're so scared of the unknown. But you know what else is scary? The known and staying in the known. That's not good. It's not good, but a lot of people do it
0: because it is known and it's more comfortable, let's say, than the unknown. That's where Even we do it, It's physical uncomfortable, issues. Yeah. but it's right. And yeah, physical, psychological, emotional, all these things that you're trying to shove down, eventually come out. Absolutely. It's going to come
1: out of somewhere. Absolutely right. And yeah. that's, that's hard because yeah. so. we could have even best friends and not really know what they're dealing with. I, I don't oh find that yeah. social media is not the spot to do it. I don't, I don't respect that. I don't, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see on Facebook how sad you are. Just call me. One of the things I'm right. very proud of as a friend, I reach out to people when I think of them. I'll text them or Facebook message and just say, I thought of you and I just smiled and I hope your day is great. And I mean it. If I think of you and I send you that note, you know, who wouldn't want that? You don't, you're not asking me for anything. I don't need to answer you. I can if I want. And maybe if I am having a crappy day, maybe I'll say I need it. And, and that is what I get 90% of the time, which is a made up stat is the response. I needed that just then. Yes. Because you are
0: tapping into some kind of intuition, that that person needed to hear from you. I've heard that from other people that they do that something similar and they, they get the same kind of response like, man, you don't know how much I needed to hear for that today.
1: When do we not need that? It was cool. You didn't well, need anything. that's true. <laughs> but I meant something to someone. I came across your brain. That's kind of swell.
0: <laughs> yes, I love that. So one of the, the tools that you have used to cope with things being fine or less than fine is something that we have not talked about on this show. Because I'm always asking like, so what tools did you use to move past fine?
1: Is this about my streaking? Your streak? No, do tell. No, I don't streak. I just wondered. (laughs) We want viewership. We want listeners. We need listeners. (laughs) Come listen to
0: Lisa talk (laughs) about streaking
1: (laughs) in the winter in Wisconsin. Oh, yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah, no, tell me about what, what the tools are that you have used.
1: In dealing with situations that were less than fine. One word, two syllables. Humor. Humor, humor, humor. It's my deflector. It covers when I don't know the answer. I I just gave a presentation today and I was just open about it. I said humor is my coping mechanism. It's it's one that I'm busted on all the time. I had a therapist say, you know, you don't always have to entertain me. And I've even had a physician say that. Do you think you have to be funny all the time? Like, damn, some people pay for this. What are you talking about? I'm paying you you will laugh, but it is <laughs> the de- the deflection of it I learned early on and as a kid, I used to pretend that Carol Burnett was raising me and I knew that she had alcoholic parents and her grandma was taking care of her and I was like, she understands me and Harvey Corman and Tim Comey are my uncles and I live with her and all these things and it was just it meant the world to me to be in her world even though, She doesn't have a clue who I am. We have been in the same room once. I saw her in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, Never got picked to ask a question. Dang it. But we breathed the same air one night about four years ago. Now is a good time to mention, because you never know who's listening. True.
0: Six degrees of separation. That if you had one person in the
1: entire universe Mm. to meet, who Mm. would it be, Lisa? Mm. It would be my other mother, Carol Burnett. And that is almost what I named my book was I Was Raised by Carol Burnett. That was going to be the name. and Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was going to be it. And Carol, I know you listen to this show. I just want you on my podcast. I would only take 10 minutes. That's a lie. I would stretch it out. All I need is 10 minutes, just a quick call. Just that's it. Just so I can tell you how much you mean to me and we'll be good. So now we'll wait. Don't you
0: think if you had named your book that that she would have – it would have gotten her attention?
1: Yes, and I could have been sued, probably. So <laughs> so there's a whole chapter about you. her, but it's, uh, yes, certainly not the name of it, because what if I got sued? That would not be neat. I don't know. For using her name? Maybe. Stating that I was raised by her? Uh, I don't
0: know. You talk about taking risks. I might have done
1: it. Yeah, you're right, because if I did get, well, I can still write another book. But I, You could re- reissue it, re republish it. Even bad publicity is publicity. Sure, I got sued, but I'm famous and I got to meet her in court.
0: <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, maybe we don't want to be sued by Carol Burnett, but you do want to meet her. So we're, we're putting it out to the universe. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: I will send prizes to whoever can make that connection.
0: All right, we got that. Um I it's interesting that you say that humor is um your coping mechanism because like I said, we haven't had somebody talk about, you know, we've talked about using gratitude and meditation and EFT tapping and all these other great tools for moving past being stuck in a place where everything was fine or less than fine. But humor is is also so such an important tool and it beca- you know, not everybody can use it as, I guess, it's not, it
1: doesn't suit everybody. I know the puns that I have a passion for do not suit my husband. He acts very upset. (laughs) Uh, I could, I could pun you about cheese for five minutes. You know, that's a Gouda one. Is that cheddar? Oh, great. You know, but I won't. Humor is a connector and it raises our endorphins and it lowers our blood pressure. So that is some damn fine, affordable health care. And it also, in the moment, if you and I were in the grocery store and we had a chitty chat, a quick chitty chat about, oh, um, those oranges, I didn't even see those, blah, blah, blah. And we've connected. Maybe we make a joke or somebody walks through and says, let me juggle those. We're going to laugh. And then the next interaction to the cashier and whatever is joy. There's this ripple effect of joy. And that is what's so important about humor. And we need more punchlines and less headlines. Yes, more punchlines, less headlines, especially before bed, especially upon waking. Look up that old show you love and look at bloopers. I have just a joy for bloopers. And on my podcast, every episode we talk about a dare or a prank that my guest has done or had done to them or knows of because I have a passion for pranks. I love that you ask your
0: guests that. Is there one? Since you brought it up, is there somebody who stands out in your mind of for something that they said, that they pranked somebody, or that they had done to them?
1: What's so fun is I could talk about um, talk to an author about something, and we're talking about the subject of their book, and you know, we, all my guests are unique weirdos, strangers, strange in the best possible way, and. Then when you ask dear or prank, we almost always go back to younger self, which is sad because mm-hmm. you should still be pranking but in a nice way, of course not the mean things but it's so fun to see that flip in their personality and their storytelling and i'm I'm majorly into storytelling um, one of them was this really serene guy, Richard Matthews he's very high intelligent lives in an RV with like Four or 20 kids and his wife. I'm like, you go, boy. And his history... Four or 20? Four or 20. To me, anything over two is a lot. No, they've got four kids. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and if they should have more, they'll have more, he said. And mm. they're in an RV. So four, 20, doesn't matter, does it? And a giant dog. Mm. So he's he's very intelligent. And just they're homeschooling and they're traveling and they're the kids are standing in historical places instead of reading about it. Pretty interesting. And the way that they have to live is so, so different. But then you talk about deer or pranks and whoop it all flipped. And he's talking about in college how the doors to the dorms were in swinging and two guys would go to somebody else's dorm. One would knock and the other one would be naked and doing a handstand. And you can figure out the visual when you open the door. They called it flying squirrel. And I'm not 100% on that. But that's one I didn't see coming. (laughs) Nor did the nor did the dorm person. Oh wow! And then there was a female, and right now I'm not thinking of the guest, but she was telling me that she and her dad were sitting on the porch. I think she and her brother and her dad were sitting on the front porch, and a car pulled up and grabbed a girl off the sidewalk. Dad jumped up over the porch like a Superman. She'd never seen him move like that, and ran toward the car and grabbed the person before that car had the person in the car. And I guess the car was actually pranking anybody that was looking they were making it look like an abduction dad was having none of that and oh, when she tells it it's, it's so much more colorful but to just think about sitting there with your dad and all of a sudden he just becomes superman and flies over the porch wall and actually apprehends the scene. You know? it's like when you think right. of these different things like that's not a friendly prank but it it was one that stuck out in my head definitely a good visual for <laughs> yeah.
0: sure and it so yeah, for those of you who are listening right now, Lisa's podcast is called Stranger Connections, and I'll put a, a link in the show notes for that as well. Thank you. So I've been a fa- like I've been a fan for a long time. In fact, I was listening to your podcast way before I started mine. So oh
1: cool. Yeah. that's that means a lot. Yeah. Thank you. I'll say something else about humor. So when you think about comics, so many of them really are dark, and humor is their outside face. You think about Robin Williams, and yes. I mean that always comes to mind for me. Or you hear things about, I don't know, Jim Carrey or something when, when they're being characters. When you're being a character, because I'm an actress as well. I, I had a comedy troupe for 20 years. When you're a character, you can do what you want. You don't have to be you. You don't have to answer to the people in your circle. And so that's that's why it's such a great escape for a lot of people. So generally, I'm going to say performers are generally <laughs> trying not to be themselves for a good you know two hours while they get to be on stage. So A lot of times that's what humor can be is a veil or a mask and applause. Yeah, and then people are so surprised to find out the real person behind it. Yes, and you may never find out that person. I've hosted a lot of stand-up comedy, and the person on the stage is a persona. You think you know that person on stage, and that's a Mm -hmm. a great performer. And then behind the scenes, if you were the one emceeing them and you were in the green room with them, they might not even want you to speak to them or, or look at them or anything because, you know, they have to get into that zone. But that's just their stage persona. That's certainly not that person. It sounds like, oh, my wife and, oh, my kid did this. Um, I'm sorry, that's that's all theater. <laughs> hmm. And I can't say 100% of them, but it, there's a reason people want to be a different character or want to make you laugh because applause is approval. Laughter is acceptance. That's what I always say for myself. You have experience with improv as well? Yes. What
0: tell us a little bit about how somebody would use improv to improve their level of success whether that was in business or
1: in life in general. I love that question, Lori. Love it, cuz that's what I teach corporate is improv for everyday and or for real life. And it is a way to Think about a scene and it's, you know, just today I was was in a workshop and I was teaching and, and I said, who else has done improv? Nobody. And I said, just raise your hand if any of this aligns with you. Does anyone have a partner? Does anyone have a boss? Does anyone have a kid? Does anyone have a sibling? Does anyone have a roommate? We all do improv. It just doesn't mean that it means you're not on the stage in the spotlight style, but we are all improvising. Look at the last two years. Oh my gosh, (laughs) we're going to have to quarantine for two weeks? I'll never be able to do that. Well, guess what you did. (laughs) So whether you did it gracefully or no, you did it because you're here and you're listening. But improv for uh, business world would be thinking about the scene. Lori and I are in a scene and we ask the audience, give me a place where two people might meet. Somebody yells out a clinic lobby. And now Lori and I get on there. And if I say to Lori, oh, this movie theater is so amazing. And if Lori said, we're not in a movie theater, pow, scene is done, the end. That's called a roadblock. Um, So now I'll go backwards. We're both in the clinic lobby. We just were told that. I step up. I go, look at the movie theater. It's so amazing. And Lori says, wasn't that brilliant that they put that here at the clinic? Boom, now we're going forward. She just did the yes and, and that's what yes and is. And you can use that in business. When your boss says something, don't talk back. Don't bring your boss a problem. Bring them an idea for what you think could work. Don't go, you know what? This copier is like the piece of crap and it never works. Or you call the company and say, hey, is this under warranty? I just wanted to talk to my boss about possibly replacing it. You go to the boss, you say, you know, I've noticed that this is bad, but I found out we can do this. Yes, that is what you do. (laughs) That's how it works for business. It also is about listening. So if your partner blocks you in a scene, they're not listening to you or building on what you said. That works at work. It works in relationships, whether it's your kid or your partner, whatever. Build on what they said. Let them know they were heard. And that also builds trust along the way. That's my short version of mm-hmm. how that works in, in real life.
0: Yeah, I was just on a, a sales training call, I guess, as the best way to describe it, last earlier this week. And we were talking about the saying yes, saying yes more. You know, a lot of people say yes to everything, and that's a different issue of overfilling your plate and saying yes and not having boundaries and saying not being able to say no. But this was more about our initial response as humans is to say no. Somebody asks you a question or asks you to come come do something with me. No, I'm busy. No, I, I don't have time or like our, our first response is typically no, because I don't know what I'm getting into. And the person who was teaching it was encouraging us to say yes to the opportunity. Yes. And because and we were talking about improv, interestingly enough, about how you do that in improv. Yes. And
1: it's also a way to and you don't have to say those actual words, but it's it's a mindset. And I work with um, every spring. It's just so darn fun. It's fifth and sixth graders that get to come to the college in our town, and they're the gifted students. And so their celebration is a whole day of choosing different rooms to go to. One is the newscasters, and another one they're going to wall climb, make slime, come do improv. I call it improv station. And it's just so fun to play with them and see what they can build from it and learn from that as well. And just thinking that way is is so fun. And and not saying no or roadblocking. And it works for adults as well. It just doesn't even matter the ages of it. And that that's the best part because it's stating that you go with the idea. So I like that you said mm-hmm. that too. And it is. And, and you don't have to say yes to everything, but you can build off what somebody says because we all want to be heard. Right. Right. Using this in meetings
0: instead of shutting somebody down. No, that's a dumb idea. Like even if you don't say it exactly that way.
1: Body language can be quite loud.
0: Yeah. Being open to seeing where it leads. Mm -hmm. It is. Open to possibilities. I mean, really, that's what we're talking about on this
1: show a lot is being open to possibilities and where can it lead. But to play with yes and is such a way to explore and play. And when I get to hang out with the fifth and sixth graders and my only rule is let's not make everything a butt joke because I've learned that early on. Farts are funny, I'll be honest. But I just don't want it, them to come away with. Gosh, we just did a whole scene of farts, mom. That that was great with that one lady. So no, we don't want to do that. Um, but <laughs> That's it's not the just, reputation you want. <laughs> yes. But to allow yourself to explore and play and get down on the floor instead of sitting at your desk, take your laptop into a different room. Do you need quiet? When's the last time you took a walk without earbuds? When's the last time you drove in silence to hear your own thoughts and? Move the room you're in. Move the scent. Let's let's talk about scent, sound, feel, taste. I drink hot water sometimes. I'll throw a lime in there or something. Change stuff. Some people need to be in a loud coffee house, and that's where I did a lot of comedy writing. I don't know what it was about grabbing my laptop and going to a coffee house, but the chatter. And there's even on on one of the music channels. I'm sure you can find it. Coffeehouse sounds, where it's not just coffeehouse music, but also the sounds of the dull chatter and clinking of cups and stuff. And sometimes I've heard that. Yeah, it's so cool. So if that's what you need, yeah. it changes your energy.
0: It's just great. Change. Uh, so I was, yeah, changing the scene, changing the scene of where you are, and you, especially since so many people now are been working from home, they're tired of seeing the same four walls. And now that we can get out a little bit more, going to a coffee house, going to a park, if you live in a place where it's not
1: three below zero right now. Uh, But (laughs) well, a friend of mine has coffee every day. He goes to the drive through every day and he goes and sits at a park every day and he posts every day what song he's listening to and what he's thinking about. And that's comforting for him. He gets out of his house to go do that. And yeah. that has become his routine. And I always look forward to his post because I'm just, I don't know why that settles me. It's just like, oh, there he is. <laughs> that, that's cool. And coming
0: back to the whole idea of play, which is the topic that we've talked about on the show before about how weirdly difficult it is for a lot of people to find something that's fun. Like what is fun for me anymore? Or what would be playful? What could be something that I could do that is playful? Because we are humans, are animals and animals need to play, but we don't allow it. Because in part, coming back to the whole way we were talking about the beginning about being responsible and being hardworking, but also because we just don't know anymore, because we've spent so much time overcoming that by working hard. What is fun? What would be playful? And you know, you've got you've just talked about several things, you know, your painting and the um, improv, the comedy, the, all the fun things
1: that you're doing. You're doing a lot of fun things. Kids laugh, self-care. what, 112 times a day, their belly laugh, true belly laugh. And as we get older, we belly laugh less and less because no, two fingers, you know, no, no, that means two. No, it, it could be bunny ears. It, it could be chopsticks. It could be earplugs. It could be nose plugs. It could be anything. Nope, nope. The teacher said that means two. Well, it could be in peace. It could be, you know, and as we're put in columns or nothing against teachers, but I'm just saying, uh, as we're put in these silos of brain, you lose that ability for imagination. It becomes, well, that's not very mature. Oh, the hell I say, because you have to have that. I'm, I'm going to jump out of an airplane at some point. So that's on my list of things that I need to explore. I need to, to find out. And We need that. We crave that just to make things different. And something I did early on with the pandemic, going to the store for many of us was our only social. I was so afraid, not like physically shaking afraid, but I thought, what if grocery stores close? What are we going to do? I watched The Walking Dead. This doesn't turn out well. And so (laughs) the grocery store was my big social moment. And in line at the store... I did not say, how are you, to the cashier. I said, so what are you doing for fun? And I'll be damned, was that the most joy that would come? Because what are you doing for fun? And this guy at the Whole Foods kind of store, dreadlocks. The dude was like 6'2", and then with his hair, it was 6'6", just massive pile up, tie-dye t-shirt. He bends down and he looks at me and he goes... I have foster kittens at home. Do you want to see a picture? And he whips out his phone. (laughs) It was adorable. And now I still see them. It's my regular store. And I'll say, how many kitties do you have? And stuff like that. We made a human connection. Another girl said, I said, what are you doing for fun? I mean, they look at you kind of weird. And the conversation that came out of that was so much more than, did you find everything? Yes. You good? How are you? Good. I'm not good, damn it. But I don't want to talk about it either. And this girl told me about her dance team and how even with masks, they could still meet safely and they were going to put on a performance and she was thrilled. I asked her about it, you know, a week or two later. How'd the show go? It meant the world to her. So much different than you good. I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) I love
0: that you asked that. And at the same time, I'm thinking in my head, Well, yeah, but you live in the Midwest, and that wouldn't apply (laughs) here in the Mid-Atlantic or the Northeast. People be, like, growling at you. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe I'll try it next time I go. I'm thinking in my head, you know, and Trader Joe's would be the place to do that because those people are are more uh, sociable in the first place. No, you're
1: overthinking it. You just ask somebody, (laughs) what are you doing for fun? And it takes them off guard a second. And they'll usually tell you. I've never had anyone mad at me. You're right. I'm, I'm in Minnesota, Wisconsin right there. But I've asked it at other places as well. So I've, I've been outside the, the Midwest.
0: <laughs> I, I'm not <laughs> saying you haven't been outside. I'm just saying in general, yes. you Midwesterners are far more friendly. It
1: worked in California. I got a, uh, had a brief stay there. And it's just my thing. Because it is, it is so So you'll be surprised. So I expect to report back. Uh, You will get
0: one. (laughs) So now, (laughs) while
1: we're on the topic
0: of fun, tell me the the song that you listen to when you need to get hyped up and enthused and getting a bolt of energy. I
1: don't know all the words. Do I have to know all the words?
0: No, I'm not going to ask you to sing it. I just want to know what
1: it is. Yeah, I'm just saying I don't know all the words. But I get hyped when I hear the band Cake. And specifically, or the way I like to say it, pacifically, just so people correct me. Pacifically, I enjoy going the distance. Or I think it's just called the distance. And it's so cool. And if you listen, one time, listen to the horns. Listen again, listen to the bass line. Another time, listen to the singer because he's kind of just speaking it. It's crazy. I love cake. I love cake. All kinds of cake, but I love the band
0: cake. And it's funny that you said pacifically because they are from, they are, do you know where they're from? They're from Sacramento, California. Look at me. Yes. So, <laughs> so near the Pacific. Yay. I mean, Sacramento is not on the water, but. Close enough. It is. It is. Yes. It is a Pacific state. Whoa. Well, that'd be, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. What's your song? I have two songs. One is Carrie Underwood's Champion. Oh,
1: yeah. That's a good one.
0: And the other one is Van Halen's Right Now.
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's a really good one. But
0: I love that you said Cake because I'm a fan. I'm a big fan. I actually saw them in concert when I was living in Sacramento back in uh, 1998, I want to say. Dang. Um, Yeah, in a small venue. And uh, I used to listen to – I have a couple of their albums.
1: Sweet. Are you talking Vinyl Girlfriend?
0: Uh, no, I have them digital now, yeah. and actually, I
1: never had them digital. I had them on CDs, but now, yeah, cool. Yeah, there, yeah, they even redid "I Will Survive." Yeah, there's some great songs. Yes, yeah, I yes. dig it. I yeah. dig it. Well, good. I'm gonna put.
0: A, I'm gonna put a link to that in the show notes, Sweet. as I always do. And if and I already said I'm gonna put a link to your podcast. Where else can people find you if they want to continue a conversation with you?
1: On Facebook, Lisa David Olson, O-L-S-O-N. And I also have the Facebook group, Counter It's all humor. Please join us. I've had it a little over a year. We have 4,000 people in that place because people what? want to laugh. Yeah, I've only had it a year. It's 4,000 because we all want to laugh. And, yeah, join us over there. And I'm on Instagram And if you give a crap about my art, let me know. I have an Instagram page for that as well.
0: Cool. Thank you so much for joining me today on
1: Fine is a Four-Letter Word, Lisa. Thank you, Lori. I really appreciate your time. I'm
0: always amazed at the variety of answers I get to the hype song question. After Lisa said that cake song, I was like, yeah, that makes total sense because they're kind of quirky and it just fits her so well. Here are the key takeaways from our conversation today. Number one, Lisa's perspective is that staying in the known when it's fine or not good is scarier than moving off fine. Even though a lot of people do it because it is known and more comfortable, you can only shove those feelings down for so long. And then they're bound to come out somewhere. Number two, always be open to possibilities. Lisa talked about some improv techniques and how they open the door to exploration and play. That's what leads to more and interesting discoveries and fun. Number three, change your scene to change your energy. Physically get into a different position. Move your body. Put yourself in a different environment. Doing these things is essential to your well being. Number four, Humor is a connector. Like gratitude and meditation, it raises our endorphins and lowers our blood pressure. As Lisa said, that is some damn fine affordable health care. Number five, next time you're checking out at the store, ask the clerk, what are you doing for fun? It takes them off guard and gives you the opportunity to make a human connection. I haven't done this yet, but I'm totally going to. And number six, lastly, reach out to your friends randomly and check in. Say, hey, I thought of you, and I just smiled, and I hope your day is great. Thanks for being here and subscribing to Find is a Four-Letter Word. Please share this show with a friend or a colleague. If you're feeling especially generous, leave a review so other people like you can discover the show too. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and all the major podcast directories. You can join me on social too. On Instagram, it's zen underscore rabbit. You can find links to the other platforms at zenrabbit.com. Before you go, remember to take a moment to think about what you're grateful for today. Lastly, you can find this week's meditation queued up Right after this episode. And if no one's told you this week, I'm proud of you. Take good care.